In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. <clears throat> Blessed art thou among women. Blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners. Now the hour of our death, amen. <clears throat> Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant it by the same Spirit may be truly wise and never rejoice in his consolation to the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Lady Guadalupe, pray for us. Saint Joseph, pray for us. Terry, Saint Nasha Leola, Saint Teresa of Avila, all God's angels and saints. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. <clears throat> so good evening. <clears throat> Following up on our series of these uh, mini retreats that we've been doing the past six months, they're usually either two or three days. And uh, the themes that we've been covering have been the following. Uh, the Beatitudes, we did three days on Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. We also did one on the four last things, uh, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. We also did one on the book of uh, Tobias, we did that. I'm doing one in Spanish uh, last night on the book of Jonas. Uh, also... We did one in preparation for Christmas on Advent. And today I thought the very pertinent topic would be to give you a three-day retreat on the topic of prayer. So that will be our topic today, tomorrow, and Thursday. And I honestly think that all of us can honestly say that our prayer life can improve. Is that true? Yes. I think all of us can honestly admit that there's still a, a lot of improvement in our prayer life. And unless we, we uh, take seriously this topic, we study, we um, have some type of education or instruction, we're really never going to grow. But if we make a concerted effort uh, to grow in our prayer life, then we will. So um, the end of the month, on Sunday, I'll be giving the 10-week course in the spiritual exercises. And I think that that's, if it's done well, that's where most people really grow in their spiritual life. I'm not going to lie to you, it's very demanding but if it's done well, that's where we really learn how to pray. So this is um, this is a good opportunity if you're going to be making the exercises to, so to speak, some spring training, some warm up for the uh, for the real season. So we're going to be. Um, giving you a talk on, on prayer, then we'll divide into groups, and then we'll give you some material. At the end of the talk, uh, about a week ago, I wrote a, um, a six-page uh, blog article on this topic, so we'll give that for you to read. And then um, tomorrow, as well as on Wednesday, uh, Thursday, I'll be going through some of those, basically 20 different points on how we can go in our prayer life. So we'll give that to you at the end of the class today. So when we say the word retreat, it doesn't mean to recoil from reality, but rather retreat means we're going into a time of prayer with the Lord. So we'll give you, the, the conference we'll give to you, and then uh, we'll invite you to spend some time uh, meditating upon this topic, and given that this is a type of retreat, 
We'd invite you also to, to go to Mass if you can, pray your rosary, maintain a little bit of silence, uh, possibly go to confession, maybe you've already gone to confession, but see this as your, as your New Year's retreat. Start off the New Year on the right foot, okay? So, with respect to the topic, there are, there are some topics that uh, I preach and teach on. Uh, this is probably my favorite because it's the most important. And if this is done, if this is done well, then you're really going to grow in your spiritual life. In a certain sense, your spiritual life depends a lot upon your prayer life. So if your prayer life is is mediocre, then your spiritual life is going to be mediocre. Definitely, yeah. So if I say, if your prayer life is mediocre, your apostolic life and your life, your moral life is going to be mediocre. But if your if your prayer life is fervent, you're probably going to get a lot of trials, tribulations, and problems, and temptations. However, even though you're going to have a lot of the seem seem to be setbacks, what happens is you pray and you have the grace to overcome them. Look, at, since you've done the exercise, you've probably never had so many trials in your life. But you never had so many graces in your life too. Okay, so given the topic is so expansive, um, I'm going to try to do something I've on prayer. I've never done given this formal prayer yet, so this is my the grand debut of this topic on prayer because there, I mean I can talk about a hundred different dimensions on prayer. And in my article, you've got 20 different ideas. But um, when I was praying, I felt um, I, I was able to go up into my room for about a half hour and write down these ideas. Is uh, it's going to be? We're going to. I'm going to try to give you in an hour, less than an hour, the the basics of the the prayer of Jesus in the Gospels. Isn't that beautiful? Okay, you're aware of it, but I'm going to try to just give you a summary of the prayer of Jesus Christ. What could be better than that? So in the limited time that I have, I'm going to try to go through the prayer of Jesus and, and beg the Lord. Beg the Lord that you can really grow in your prayer life. I've said this many times that as a teacher for many years, Started teaching when I was 14, so I have a little bit of experience, 50 years, no? Uh, I can teach you how to pray. And if you ask me almost any topic of prayer, off the top of my head, I could probably wing a 45-minute talk, just mention it. You know, Teresian prayer, lecture divine, Ignatian prayer, vocal prayer, mental prayer. Uh, I could, liturgical prayer, I could go on nonstop until midnight, no? But I can't give you the desire to pray. I can't give you that. Sorry. I can't give you that. I can't give you the desire to pray. And I honestly believe in my life, I, I know I've received many gifts, and I'm very thankful that God has given me many gifts, and you have a lot of gifts too, maybe more than me. I know I have a lot of gifts. But one of the greatest gifts is that ever since I was a little child, I always liked to pray. And I've dealt with thousands of people, but I don't remember ever in my life a child coming up to me saying I like to pray, much less a teenager, no? No, honestly. But I've always liked to pray. About a year ago, I was talking with someone on the phone, and I was saying, you know, I've always liked to pray. That person on the phone said, ever since I was a child, I love to pray. And that was my mother. That's the only person I remember. She's going to be 93 on Sunday, by the way, no? is that she said she always liked to pray. Daily communion for 70 years. Wow. 
And probably one of the reasons why I like to pray is because of her example and just this mystical presence. Nine kids and 39 grandchildren. So not that she was able to spend all her time in that Kamaldolese convent, no? <laughs> but I can, I can teach you how to pray, but I cannot give you the desire to pray. You have to beg the Father of Lights. I would say, beg Mary and beg the Holy Spirit that you really want to pray. That you really want to pray. And that's my, that's going to be my intention in these three days that you'll really, you really want to pray. That you'll be like a Dominic Savio, like a Maria Goretti, like a Giorgio Frassati. Or Carlos Acutis. Now, he was the one that basically converted his his, uh, his mother and father. You know that young saint that died about 15 years ago? I mean, that's an exception to the rule that he converted his parents. Okay, so I'll start off with one idea. Okay, you pray one Hail Mary... One Hail Mary with fervor is worth more than the whole created universe. You hear me? One Hail Mary. One Hail Mary prayed with love is worth more than the whole created universe. And this is not hyperbole. Hyperbole, that's a big college word, which means literary flair to accentuate a point if you want to go to Webster, okay? Uh, it, 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 I'm, not, I'm not using exaggeration. One Hail Mary is worth more than the whole created universe. So you make a holy hour, how much value that has in the eyes of God. So let's, uh, let's go to the life of Christ. And we're going to go through different dimensions. Okay, Even before the creation of the world, Christ is present in the mystery of the Trinity. The Trinity is the greatest mystery in the Catholic faith. And what is that? The Father loves the Son, the Son loves the Father, and the mutual love between the Father and the Son is the Holy Spirit. So even before the creation of the world, Jesus Christ was generated eternally generated by God the Father. So, and he loves the Father back. The mutual love between the Father and the Son, that's the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's go then, let's go then from heaven to earth now, the incarnation. Now, Jesus, as a child, he grew in wisdom and knowledge and age before God and man. You might ask, well, how... It's a good theological question. How could God actually progress? How could God... Isn't God perfect? I think it's a good theological question. If God is perfect, then how could he progress? And it has to be in his two natures. You have what's called the human nature and you have the divine nature. Now, in the, in the divine nature, he's perfect. So there's no possibility for improvement when you have perfection. But in this human nature, we read in St. Luke chapter 2, in the fifth joyful mystery, he grew in wisdom and knowledge and grace before God and man. So this is called... This is called experiential uh, growth. He had to learn how to walk. He had to learn how to talk. So he learned. He had to learn. He learned. He learned how to pray in his human nature. When I was putting together this thought, I was thinking about Saint Joseph. So both Saint Joseph and Mary taught Jesus uh, in his human nature how to pray. So Joseph and Mary taught Jesus to speak. To say, Abba, Father. 
Joseph and Mary taught Jesus how to pray the Psalms. Yes, that, that was the prayer book of the Hebrew people, the 150 Psalms. The Lord is my shepherd, there's nothing I shall want. The Lord is my light, my salvation, whom should I fear? So these beautiful Psalms, see Joseph and Mary teaching Jesus these Psalms, different than us, we don't have a photographic memory, probably not, okay? But obviously Jesus had a photographic memory. Once he heard the psalm, he didn't have to hear it a second time. Like we have to hear it many times and we only get part of it, right? (laughs) So Jesus would have had the psalms that he heard. Once he heard them, they would have been memorized in his perfect memory. And then Joseph and Mary would take him to the synagogue every Saturday. So the Jewish people would worship God on Saturdays. Then a couple of times during the year they would go to the big temple in Jerusalem for the big feast days of Pentecost and Passover. So they they learn how to Jesus learned how to pray in his human nature through both Joseph and Mary. So let's uh, let's ask Joseph and Mary to help us to pray better. Ask St. Joseph and Mary to help us to pray better. We're going to be talking a little bit about Teresa of Avila. St. Teresa of Avila had a great devotion to San Jose. She almost died and she attributed her recovery of her health to San Jose and then when she established these Carmelite monasteries in Madrid and Salamanca and Valencia, the big cities in Spain, always given the name of San Jose the Convents. So they, they, I'm going to be throwing a lot of ideas out. So if you if you pray to Saint Joseph, Saint Saint Joseph, help me to pray. If you say that Fervently, by by the end of three days, your prayer life is going to be much better. I promise you. Just that one prayer. And if you ask the Blessed Mother, even more so. And you ask Jesus, even more so. So you ask Jesus, Mary, and Joseph to help you to pray and give you the desire to pray. I think in three days, your life is going to be changed. So there we have the, the there we have the thirty the thirty years of Jesus he spent in his in his private life with with Joseph and Mary. Joseph died. We don't know when. Last time we see Joseph is when Jesus is twelve years of age. Then he disappears. This would be a very good contemplation for you. Try to imagine a typical day of Mary in Nazareth. And try to imagine a typical day of Jesus when he was a teenager and a young man. You have to utilize your your, your imagination. But the saints are catapulted into ecstasy when they do it. If you've done the Ignatian exercise. Imagine you're, you're spending a day with Mary in Nazareth. Wow. Imagine that. How beautiful. Or you're spending a day with, with Jesus in the carpenter's shop. You have to use your imagination though, because there's no biblical, biblical details, but we know that the, he spent time in that carpenter's shop and Mary spent time as a mother and spouse in Nazareth. Okay, so let's move now into the... This will be the heart of my talk. Let's move into the public life of Christ. Public life of Jesus lasted about three years. About three years. So, 
perhaps this can be a pursuit during the rest of your life. When you're reading through the gospel, see how many times in the gospel there is a reference to prayer, either implicit, implicit or explicit. So beware of that. Have your antenna up. Okay? Have your antenna up. Okay, let's start off. The public life of Christ. The public life of Christ, he's baptized. That's, we celebrated the baptism yesterday, right? Yes. He's, he's baptized. Now, there are different nuances in the Gospels. If you speak Spanish, matisse, nuance, we use that in English, it comes from the French word, which means shades of colors, okay? Different nuances. Only the Gospel of St. Luke presents Jesus in prayer during the baptism. Did you know that? Yeah. Interesting. See, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You have the four baptisms. Those four Gospels, you have the baptism of Jesus. But only the Gospel of Luke presents Jesus in prayer and then the dove descends upon Jesus. That's why St. Luke is known, among many things, as the Gospel of Prayer. Yeah, there is too, but St. Luke, there's a real, a real priority of prayer. You see it in his gospel. All right, after he's baptized, where does he go? Right after he's baptized. You think, oh, Jesus has spent 30 years now. Okay, he's baptized. He's, now he's going to go off and get him, right? You're going to go off and get them. You're going to preach and kick out devils and all that, right? Uh-uh. As soon as he's baptized, he goes off to the desert. What are you going to do in the desert? Pray. Okay, that's the beginning of Lent. A Lenten journey. We First Sunday, we always have Jesus in the desert. He goes off to make a 40-day retreat. Yeah? Well, not an Ignatian third-day retreat, but a 40-day retreat, huh? And here you have the Son of God. So he's going to be praying, fasting, and he's going to be fighting against the devil. Yeah. There's, there's a lot in that. Do you want to conquer the devil? If you want to conquer the devil, you have to imitate Jesus. Praying, fasting, and using the word of God. Yes. The devil came after him, right, with the word of God? And Jesus responded with the word of God. If you're the son of man, turn those stones into bread. What did Jesus say? Quoting the Bible. Man does not live on what? But on? Every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. (laughs) So the devil tried to conquer Jesus by the word of God, but Jesus conquered the devil by quoting scripture. So 40, 40 days of silent prayer. All right. Now, before any important decision, before any important decision, let's start even even before. Let's let's try to go chronologically. Do we know when Jesus prayed? Very often. If you want to have a a, a typical day in the life of Jesus, Mark chapter 1. You know, we entered into ordinary time today. And so, this is year B, in which year A is Matthew, year B is Mark. So, we're we're into the first chapter of St. Mark. 
In that, we have, a, we have a typical day in the life of Christ. Now, he doesn't waste time. The great G.K. Chesterton, one of the greatest writers last time, maybe you've heard of G.K. Chesterton. Chesterton says that Jesus, once he starts his public ministry, he's like a lightning bolt. Especially in the Gospel of St. Saint, Saint Mark's Gospel is like, like Hemingway. It's just one episode, another episode, another episode, going from one activity to the next. He's like a lightning bolt. But before, before, before becoming the lightning bolt, what does he do? Mark chapter 1 says, Jesus got up way before dawn, way before dawn and what was he doing? The evangelist says way before dawn and he was absorbed in prayer. I love that. Can any any of you give me the antonym or the opposite of absorbed? Distracted. What? Okay. So distracted in prayer. We tend to be distracted, right? La loca de la casa. Right? La loca de la casa. La loca de la casa. So distracted is the opposite of absorbed. Another word for absorbed would be recollected. Spanish recogido, no? Recollected. It says he got up way before dawn, way before dawn, and was absorbed in prayer. Can I, can I give you a suggestion now? Can I? Okay, if you want to take your prayer life seriously, do it as early as possible. Right, Annette? Yeah. Do it as early as possible. Uh, I, I try to practice a little bit of discipline. Uh, you know, I, I'm not a cure of ours or a part of but I practice a little bit of penance. I mean, I, I'm not killing myself, no. But I'll tell you, one area where I'm really demanding on myself, can I tell you, is getting, getting to bed on time. I skip a meal, who cares? Eat a little bit more tomorrow, okay? Yeah, I try to go to the gym, okay, sometimes I can't go as often as I like to, no. But uh, on, on getting to bed on time, I'm a stickler. I'm always within about five or seven minutes of when I determine. You know why? Because if I don't get to bed on time, I'm not going to be able to get up. But I get up on time, I, I, I get up at 5.15. I want to, I maybe in Lent I'll get up earlier. And they give an hour and a half. It's not one hour, but I give an hour and a half. Because an hour for me, it's not enough. And I'm arriving at a point where I want, I want, I want, I want two hours. And I want, uh, sometimes an hour and a half, it just goes by like that. And I really have this hunger. I want to get up in the morning. I don't have no problem getting out of bed because I get up on time. Then I give myself to the Lord. So what you might have to do, this retreat might challenge you. Maybe some of us don't have good uh, sleeping habits. You know, not, you know, if you're being spiritually directed by me, I'm a stickler on that. <laughs> Get another spiritual director. I will ask you, okay, are you getting your rest? Especially if you've got children here or teenagers here. It'd be huge if, you know, Bessie's kids are getting out to get on time. They're going to have that. Even in college, you, college, I go to bed at 11, get up at 6. Very different than the others. They'd be cramming all night. No, okay, I go to bed at 11, get up at 6, and they'll be in Mass at 7. I've been doing that for 50 years. And I wonder if my grandmother lived to be 104, probably because she was kind of like that too. Very regular, you know? 
So I see some of you have your kind of ants in your pants. You're kind of antsy because you um, probably cutting close to the bone, huh? So if you get to bed early, and you can get get up early and give the Lord your first fruits. And given we have, we got some young people here, well, not that we're old fogies. No, we got some teenagers, some in their twenties. No. I say, hey, even though you're young, right now, okay, I'm going to try to be really disciplined in, in getting to bed on time. And, and before you know it, okay, I'm getting up at 5.30. It's not that hard. I mean, you get to bed at 10, you get good six, six and a half, seven hours. And then you form a habit. And it becomes second nature. Right? Yep. So, um, because in a certain sense, if I don't do that, I won't be praying well, and I don't want to be kodahudo. Uh, I don't want to be cranky with the people. No, I don't. I don't want to because I deal with hundreds, sometimes thousands of people. No, so I don't want to be out of sorts with the people. I want to be, you know, calm and patient. If I'm confessing, I don't want to be falling asleep during the confessional. No, <laughs> you might you might want me to do that, and I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> so in a certain sense it's an act it's an act of charity. Yeah. An act of charity, you get to bed on time, so you get up and you're you're gonna be a gangbuster, huh? <clears throat> See if you can do it as a New Year's proposal. Amen? Amen? It says that Jesus got up he got up way before dawn and he was absorbed in prayer. What does way before dawn mean? I mean, well, you three, three, three thirty, four o'clock. Okay. I remember hearing a joke as religious. A, a good religious gets up at four thirty, twice a day. Okay. <laughs> it's a good one, huh? <laughs> the four thirty in the morning and after you know two hour Italian siesta, no. <laughs> Are you sleeping now? No, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, it looks like he's cuddling up, ready to... <laughs> You're not encouraging me, no? <laughs> At least you weren't snoring, no? Okay. Wrong condom? No, okay. <laughs> okay. All right, so we have the example from our Lord getting up way before dawn and being absorbed in prayer, right? Okay, another detail. Another detail. <clears throat> so Jesus chooses the twelve apostles, right? Some of you saw the some of the series of Jonathan Rumi, the Chosen, right? That's a whole pretty good, uh, pretty good. Uh, he doesn't show this, but he chose the twelve apostles. What did what did Jesus do before he chose the twelve apostles? Any of you know? I can't hear you. Did he pray a couple of minutes? How long did he pray? The gospel says he spent the whole the whole night in prayer. Then he chose those who would be with him as his friends. What does that say to you? We're trying to present the life of Christ so that we can try to imitate him in as much as we can. It's this. Before making important decisions, before making important decisions, spend time in prayer and also have good spiritual direction too. I say both that. Time in prayer, but also we all have blind spots. I have them, and so do you. And admit it, we all have blind spots. So the, 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 the more important decision, the more important decision, the more time you should spend in prayer. Okay? 
So you get up in the morning, okay, I'm going to have waffles or I'm going to have a bowl of cereal and then spend a fortnight meditating upon what I'm going to have. Who cares, no? I'm going to spend, you know, 15 days if it can be waffles or, or a big slam at Denny's, huh? But you're deciding on where you're going to go to college. Man, that's pretty important. Helping your teenage daughter to discern where she's going to go to college. You should pray over that. And seek out spiritual direction too. More than once have I told the parents, before your kid goes to college, come to me. I have more experience than probably you and your kids. And let's go through this. And then let's pray over it. Go to the wrong college, you end up by losing your faith. Oh, I have a degree from Harvard and Princeton and Yale. Oh, from the Ivy League colleges. They're much more intelligent than the Californian colleges, no? <laughs> Who cares? You got a degree from Harvard and Yale? You get your head as big as two watermelons and you lose your faith, huh? Because you didn't pray over it. So Jesus teaches us, pray, discern, and then act. Okay? Pray, discern, and then act. Right, Teresa? Yeah, Patricia? Pray, discern, and then act. All right. Let's move on. <clears throat> the Our Father. Let's talk briefly about the the Our Father. Do you know that there are two different versions of the Our Father? Did you know that? No, Father. Do you have the version of Matthew in chapter 6, which is where? In the very heart of the Sermon on the Mount. Then you have the Lucan version in in chapter 6. And the Lucan version is shorter. But in the Gospel of, okay, the Gospel of Luke presents Jesus. Jesus is in prayer. So the apostles see Jesus praying. Then they say, then they say, Lord, teach us how to pray. You got it. So they see, they see Jesus praying very fervently. Then, Lord, Lord, teach us how to pray. And then Jesus says, when you pray, say, Our Father who art in heaven. So there's another thing I'd like to leave with you. And it's this. Pray, using the words of the apostles, Lord, teach me how to pray. Lord, teach me how to pray. And then the Lord gives us the Our Father. When I was uh, putting together this talk, I thought that here there's a parallel passage in Romans chapter 8 which is one of the most important chapters in the writings of St. Paul to the Romans. And St. Paul says, we really don't know how to pray as we ought. But good news. What's the good news? The Holy Spirit intercedes for us. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us so that we can say, Abba, which means Father. Okay, let me, okay, related to this, let me tell you um, an episode or an anecdote in the life of John Paul II, who I admire very much, who ordained me a priest many years ago in Rome. So, uh, one of my, one of my models or idols is, I, I love John Paul II. 
I just think about him and I think about him and I get out of my desolation just thinking about this great man of God. And I think very few people think that his holiness, his teaching, his courage came out of a deep life of prayer. You hear me? We think about these, the apostolic works of John Paul II, probably, probably no pope in the history of the Catholic Church that did so much work, apostolic work, as John Paul II. I say he's by far in a category by himself. Well, he was a pope for 26 years, but the, the work that he was, he, he did is just incredible. But it all, it all came from a deep life of prayer. So let me tell you uh, uh, an anecdote. I, I, I happened to... I, you know, I lived in Rome, in Italy, for seven years. That's where I studied to become a priest. So I served the Pope as a deacon. I was ordained by John Paul II. So we were very close to the Pope. And do any of you know what a master of ceremony is? So the master of ceremony would be the one that helps out the pit, the, the, the bishop or the pope. We had a good friend with the master of ceremony of the pope. And his name was Monsignor McGee, who was an, an Irishman, who was basically the right-hand man of John Paul II. So we would invite him to to dinner with us in the seminary. He'd come and he would sit down. He would tell us a lot of stories of John Paul II. And I'll tell you just one of them. He said that um, they, were, they were looking for John Paul II in the Vatican. They couldn't find him. So someone said, well, go in, go in the chapel because he prays a lot. So they went in the chapel and they... And they, 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 they couldn't find him. And someone said, well, he's, he's always studying. You go to the library. So they checked out the library. It wasn't there. He said, well, maybe he's in the Vatican Gardens. He's, you know, he's got to rest a little bit. So they checked out the Vatican. He wasn't there. So they're looking all over for John Paul II. And uh, someone said, go to the chapel. And he said, I already went to the chapel. <laughs> he said, go back and... Go back again and check it out, and um, look. Uh, j- just go back, check it out, and look with greater detail. So they went in the chapel, and there he was, prostrated on the ground in front of the Blessed Sacrament, adoration. Yeah. That's John Paul II. There he was, prostrated on the floor in front of the Blessed Sacrament. That's JP two. Wrapped in adoration. Have any of you read The Witness to Hope? Crossing the the Threshold of Hope. Any of you read that? Okay. Okay. You read it, okay? Okay, do you remember there's a chapter on the mystical prayer of John Paul II? I'll give you a summary of it. It says that the prayer of John Paul II is uniting... His groanings were the groanings of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8. We don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans. Groans. Uniting his groans with the groaning of the Holy Spirit. That's one of the chapters on crossing the threshold of the Pope. The mystical prayer of the Pope. So you arrive at a certain point where you're not saying so many words. But you're thinking of God and you're loving God. And as Teresa of Avila says, the deeper you go in your prayer life, there's the dormition of the intellect. Your, your, your mind plays a less active role and your heart and your affections dominate. That's Teresa of Avila. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's move into your... This this will be your meditation for tonight and tomorrow. And I believe what I'm going to give you now, I think that this is perhaps the best prayer model in the whole Bible. 
You ready? It's Matthew chapter 26. And I think that, I, I honestly believe this is the best role model in prayer and it's the first sorrowful mystery. I think that this is the best. If you, so it's Matthew 26, 26 to 36, you know, 11 verses. You've meditated upon it before and it's, it's the first sorrowful mystery. But if you really spend a lot of time on that and try to go deep. Then only can pull out four or five ideas and then it will let the Holy Spirit work on you. So the first thing is, Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. And that means that Jesus Jesus prayed, but he also had his, his set place of prayer. And that means that all of, all of us should have our place of prayer. Do you? You should all have your set place of prayer. The the ideal place of prayer, of course, would be in front of the Blessed Sacrament. That would be the ideal. So if you wanna you wanna have that as an advantage, you got some young men and women, become a priest and you'll be able to be, live, be living underneath the same roof as the Lord. Yeah? Hear that, Valentin? Yeah. 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 You're li- you know, we're living underneath with the, roof, with the Lord. What a blessing, isn't it? Yeah. 24-7. I get up in the morning, zoom, right to the chapel. Expose the blessed sacrament. Ah, I'm with the Lord. Look to the Lord and be radiant with joy. Amen? <laughs> Look to the Lord and be radiant with joy. One of my favorite prayers is, Lord, it's just good to be with you. I love it. Lord, it's just good to be with you. Like the transfiguration. So that's the ideal place in front of the Blessed Sacrament. If not, some place, perhaps in your home, where there's silence. Okay. So Jesus heads to a place which was his habitual place of prayer. It would be the Garden of Gethsemane. And then, he enters into prayer with his Heavenly Father. And he invites his apostles to pray with him. And he says a heart-rending prayer, which is, Father, if it be possible, remove this chalice from me. However, not my will, but your will be done. Here we have the prayer of Jesus. You've heard that probably... 500 times. Pray over it. Sometimes we become jaded because we've heard it so many times. We become accustomed. Well, I've heard that. Well, maybe ask the Holy Spirit to help you to go deeper. I think we've all had sufferings in our lives. So have I. Sometimes I've prayed in the past, Lord, it would be possible to remove this chalice from me and I can't say the second part. I'll be honest. I've been through certain sufferings, maybe not more than you, maybe more than you. We all have our sufferings, right? Sometimes I, I couldn't finish the, the second clause. I could, it's like a truncated phrase, no? Lord, if it be possible, remove this chalice from me. I can't say the second one yet. I'm honest. Because suffering can be tough at times, right? Anyone here ever suffer? <laughs> Young people, not yet. It's going to. 
remember my mom was talking with a priest uh, years ago, and she was on a an emotional high, really going well with my dad and with her with the many kids. <clears throat> and my mom went up to this priest and said, "Oh boy, this uh, marriage is." The family life is great. And the priest said, Joan, it's not over yet. <laughs> Joan, it's not over yet. <laughs> to this day, she remembers that one. <laughs> if you haven't suffered yet, it's not over yet. No. But the thing is, Jesus himself was asking for that suffering to be taken away. Does that surprise you? So in, in, in his human nature, he recoiled, he shirked to drink that chalice of suffering. So if he can do it, so can we. It's a beautiful prayer. And that's going to be your meditation today and tomorrow. And then, you know, he, 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 he took three of his friends. He, he wanted to have some company. He didn't want to be alone. I mean, he, he, he liked his friends. What did they do? They, they, they took a siesta, right? You know, it's, uh, he, 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 wanted them, he wanted them to share his suffering... And they fell asleep. Have you ever fallen asleep in your holy hour? Are you falling asleep now? No, okay, okay. <laughs> I'm going after him. Okay. <laughs> no, he didn't long yet. He didn't, he didn't. Okay, so they fell asleep. And how often have we done the same? So there's there's a lot in this that we can identify with. So he goes back and he prays again. Now the Protestants, what do they say? You know, we shouldn't repeat the same prayer, right? Especially the Rosary, right? Don't they say that? Well, Jesus in the Garden repeats his, he repeats the same prayer three times. So when they're going after him, oh, you shouldn't repeat. Well, Jesus did it in the Garden. If he can do it, then we can do it, right? And he, fall, he finds them asleep again. And he wakes them up. He says, stay awake and pray. What does he say? Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. How often the, the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. How often we know what we should do, but we're just too weak to carry it out. Ever experienced that? So have I. <laughs> we know the good that we should do. St. Paul speaks about that. I know the good that I should do, but I end up by doing the exact opposite. Who's going to save me from this mortal body? Praise be to God, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. St. Paul. And you know, they fall asleep again. His best friends. His best friends fell asleep on him. And next, one of the gospel, one of the gospel writers presents, they fell asleep on him, but God the Father sent his guardian angel. Yeah. You might even Google in, there's a lot of beautiful depictions of the guardian angel. We have Jesus there. He's sweating blood. And then you have the guardian angel that's actually embracing Jesus. He's embracing Jesus. And he sweat blood. Now you have in St. Luke, by the way, St. Luke was a doctor. Did you know that? He was a doctor, he was a painter, he was a writer, he was a missionary. St. Paul, St. Luke, very talented. So in the Gospel of St. Luke, you can have Jesus sweating blood. He 
You know who that garden angel is? That garden angel, that garden angel, that's that's you. Where yeah, that's you. Eric, that's you. Rita, that's you. Josefina, that's you. Angie, you're falling asleep. That's you. <laughs> Angie, wake up. That's you. <laughs> we're, we're called to be, Patricia. We're called to be that garden angel. See how rich this gospel is. You could spend, you could spend the whole hour being that garden angel and maybe just embracing the Lord and saying, Lord, I love you. It's good to be here with you. I've failed you many times, but this holy hour, I'm going to be faithful, your faithful friend. I will be, I will be your faithful friend. Tell the Lord, Tell the Lord how much you love him. Tell the Lord how much you want to be faithful to him. Tell the Lord how how much you really want to grow deeper in your prayer life. It's one of the most beautiful prayer scenes in the whole Bible. That's why St. Teresa of Avila, we'll talk about here tomorrow, St. Teresa of Avila, the great doctor of prayer, I'm going to give you the list of the writings of Teresa of Avila so you can start to read from the greatest. She goes on to say, Teresa of Avila, that one of the best ways to pray is to contemplate the humanity of Christ. And there we see the humanity of Christ there in the Garden of Gethsemane. And after finishing his agony, the apostles falling asleep, Judas comes to arrest him. As a result of this fervent prayer, Prayer was so fervent that he sweat blood. Jesus was given the grace to undergo his suffering on Good Friday because of that fervent prayer that he made in the Garden of Gethsemane. That gave him the strength. And you're going to notice in your life, rewind the film of your life, We fall into sin principally for one reason. Either we're not praying or our prayer life is mediocre. It's true. We fall into sin, either we don't pray, we give up our prayer, or our prayer life is mediocre. So let's, uh, let's, let's take this mini retreat, let's take this seriously. And we're starting into a new year, right? We're only nine days into the new year. What, what, a, what a great way to start a new year by making a mini retreat. And this is not demanding. Come to talk, a little bit of sharing. Okay, you do a holy hour, maybe do two holy hours, or extend an extra, extra half hour. So I, uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be praying for all of you people. I'm going to be praying for all you people that that we, you really have a desire to pray better. Okay. So I can teach you how to do it, but I can't give you the desire. But I'll be praying that the Holy Spirit will give you the desire, and you'll accept that desire. <laughs> so let's turn to Mary, and we'll say the Hail Mary that. We'll take seriously that this will be this will be the best retreat in our life. These three days will be the best three days in our life. What do you think? Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among them. 
and bless the fruit of our Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now at the hour of death. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Father. Welcome, everyone, to the, uh, the first Monday retreat. Maybe Holy just tell, tell them this will be the passage. Right. Okay, Matthew 26. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is a perfect uh, 